Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. I'm your coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and I'm here to share all my ups, downs, and all-arounds of being a mom to my gorgeous Adia, owning a fitness business called Define London, and truly managing being a unsingle single mom as we cheer on my husband and his amazing business in Uganda. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. Is this a mic check? You heard that right. Uganda, and he is not doing the daily commute. So each week, I will be joined by a fellow inspiring, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We all need to take a deep breath together. We try, we navigate, and not be too hard on ourselves. I get it. I am human, and failures simply happen. I am not shiny, and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am, at its best and worst, busy mumsy. Before we get started with this week's show, I need to give a huge shout out to my much loved sponsor, the one and only Fabletics. I adore the brand and everything that they do and have been a fangirl for some time. I had my first subscription of their leggings arrive to my New York City apartment back in 2014, and it's been fab for me ever since. Not only are they supporting the podcast, but to support you, my other busy mumsies, They've also created a special listener-only deal, which is two pairs of beautiful leggings for just 24 pounds. I mean, come on, guys. That's just 12 pounds per pair or just six pounds per leg. Trust me, your legs will thank you for this one, my busy mumsies. For more info and to grab this exclusive offer from my friends at Fabletics, click the link in the show notes right now. Now let's get into the conversation. Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast Episode 1. Yes, we are doing this. I am so excited. I am Ashley Verma, your host, your friend, your hype mama. We are in this to win it. And honestly, I wish Adia was here today to kind of just give her bants, if you will, give her her banter, her, her two-year glorious self. But unfortunately, she is really not into the microphone, the computer, the phones, any of it. She just swaps it away, and that is. But I do want to share a first because it's the first episode and I think we should share something fabulous and a first of Adia. She said her first crystal clear sentence not too long ago and it was, I'm so happy. And it wasn't prompted. It wasn't like anything. There was like no Peppa Pig. There was no little baby bum. There was like nothing. It was just beautiful and crystal clear. And God, I'm so happy. And of course, being the absolute bananas mom that I am, I just go spiraling down a rabbit hole of like, oh gosh, she can't say that. No, she can't be happy because the world is awful and treacherous and there's just so much more to it. And no, you just can't be happy. And just, ah, it's just so wild having a child, you can become this instant mama bear, like claws out, wrapped in bubble wrap, all of the things. And it's just wild. And I just look at her and I'm just like, I just want to keep you happy for the rest of your life. Ah. Well, today on this first episode of the Busy Mumsy Podcast, I am joined by an absolute epic mama bear. I've known her for well over 12 years. We've worked together on Broadway. She is a New York Times bestselling author. She has skipped into the hearts of millions of Americans with her workout, The Rope. She recently wrapped Dancing with the Stars, The Tour, and she is a co-host on The Talk. Please welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Amanda Klutz. I am so thrilled to have you on the Busy Mumsy podcast. So thank you. I love it. Here we go. You are my first 
my, my first busy mumsy to have on the podcast, which I'm super stoked to have you here. Yay. And we're going to, we're going to talk a little later about some first, but, um, what I, I, I wanted to start with Amanda was kind of just a rewind pre pre Instagram. What, what was there a life before pre Instagram, <laughs> Amanda? I think there was. I think that originally we would run into each other on Ninth Avenue uh, mm-hmm. in New York City and be like, "Hi, how are you? And what are you doing? Do you remember those days?" <laughs> oh my god, I know. I mean, it's so weird. Yeah, there was a life before Instagram. There was a life before it and where you would run in and be like, oh, so so what show are you doing now? <laughs> and are you off to an audition? Yeah. Um, but even going further back, I would just love to share with the um, the listeners um, about you, where you're from. Mm-hmm. And because um, we're, we're, we were actually born and raised right next door to each other um, by states. I, I mean that by states. So um, I would just love for you to share a little backstory of um, where you're from and all that and how you made it to uh, good old New York City. Oh my God. Well, I grew up in Canton, Ohio, uh, which is about an hour south of Cleveland. And, you know, uh, it's quintessential Midwest you know, living. I had a a gorgeous childhood where, you know, you were playing out in the street until your dad whistled and then you knew to come home. And, you know, I, I, after school would walk to Dairy Queen with my friends and then walk home. And my mom wouldn't even question about where I was, you know, that was, that's, that's how that was. Um, Mm -hmm. And then at 18, I moved to New York so that I could pursue dreams of being on Broadway in a Radio City Rocket. And um, went to a school called AMDA, which is a two-year musical theater conservatory. And I don't know how my parents allowed me to go, but they did. They believed in me and I went. And, um, and then that spawned, I mean, that was a big jump. But yeah, that's how I got started with the Broadway career. <laughs> Yeah. It's always um it's always fun to kind of go back to the the first time that you get that phone call um for for the show. So what did you get was it Broadway first or Rockets first? It was the national tour of 42nd Street. It was um I had auditioned for the Broadway show twice before and got cut. So um they had the up over here right here. <laughs> cut. Cut. <laughs> Cut. I remember my 42nd Street outfit and I got cut and cut and cut. Yeah. Jay Binder, Sarah Prosser, if you're listening, thank you very much for cutting me. (laughs) The good thing was, is that by the time that national tour audition came along, I knew what to, I knew what the combo was as you do. And you know, you get cut, at least you know what you're doing when you come back. And, um, And I had been really working on my tap because it was, you know, I grew up doing ballet. So tap was something I didn't even start until I went to school at 18. And um, as you know, from being a ballet dancer, like tapping is so like the exact opposite. So I had a really hard time with it. So rightfully so I was cut the first two times, but then like, I really worked on it, really worked on my tapping skills and like rehearsed myself incessantly and then booked that national tour job. And, um, Yes, I was walking down. No, I was in. Oh my God, what is that store that's like dirt cheap clothes? It used to be on 57th Street, but Rainbow? What is it? Rainbow? Rainbow? Was it Rainbow? 
I used to go to Rainbow to get like lastminute.com outfits for auditions. Like, oh my God, I need a hair tie. I don't have the right shorts. I think it was Ashley. I wanted to say it was started with an F, like, but I think you're right. I think it was Rainbow. Um, and anyways, I was in the dressing room trying something on and, um, Sarah Prosser called me and, um, was just thrilled. You know, I could have done, I would have done that job for free. So I was just thrilled and left, like hurriedly got dressed, didn't even worry about what I was trying on and walked to my sister who was working at the Waldorf Astoria at the time and walked into her work and told her that I had got the job. And then I will do remember this. I went to Starbucks and got a venti caramel uh, frappuccino with extra caramel and extra whipped cream and a black and white cookie. And that is how I celebrated myself. And that was was very expensive. So you knew you had that job and that paycheck coming. Even though it was a, a CETA contract and I was making like, I'm pretty sure... I was making, I want to say it was like $4.27 a week. And then our per diem was $2.86 a week. Just about unemployment. Yeah. 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 Which is why we were all under the age of 25. And wow. most of us making our Broadway date, not Broadway, but debut. And right. um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to start somewhere. I, whenever I talk about the business, like you, you have to start somewhere and then you just go from there. Oh yeah. I still, to this day, I will never forget the first payday. I was, uh, wa- we just finished rehearsal and I was walking off, uh, you know, the stage that we were hurt, you know, and, um, with Beth nicely. And they said, um, you know, Oh, your paychecks are here. And I remember we looked at each other and we were like, Oh, we get paid. That's right. Like we didn't even, do you know what I mean? Like we didn't, it didn't register that like we were even doing a job. Like we wanted to just dance. Like, you know what I mean? And now I mean, it's, it's didn't you? Like, is it Thursday yet? Is it Thursday yet? Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When, when you are, when you are a kid and you are instilled from, from, you know, the early ages of six and even sometimes younger dance is like, it, it, it literally like gets in your body and it becomes a heartbeat and it just like, it just powers and fuels you. And you don't realize that as you go on in life, it just, even if you're not dancing anymore, it still like nurtures you. And it like, it is like a part of you. It never leaves you. Yeah. It never, never does. And it's that world, that, that amazing musical theater, Broadway world, um, really, really takes over your being. And when you, you know, you go to New York city, that's what you just, that that is your sole focus. So a million dollar question of when did you know you wanted to be a mom? Oh God. Um, because doing that business, and giving, giving, and giving. Yeah. I, I mean, truly, you ha- I mean, and then you have a child on top of that. How, I mean, yeah. the balancing act of it. When, yeah. when did you know that you wanted to be a mom? I mean, I think I, I think I always wanted to be a mom. I mean, uh, there, I come from a big family. There's five of us in my family. We're all super close. So I think, you know, and in my head, you know, growing up as a little girl, having two older sisters and an older brother. Um, you know, I just was always like, 
I want to be married at 22, 23, and I want to have four kids and I want to, you know, do, 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 that's your, so like, I think I always wanted to be a mom. And then, um, it was, I think, you know, my first marriage, I definitely wanted to have kids, but we were so young when I got married that we knew we had time. And then once that fell apart, then I, then I got scared. Cause then I was like, I mean, you hate to say it, but like I was 32 and you're 32 and you're back single again. And then you start trying to do math in your head about like, okay, if I find somebody and then, but then there's years that you want to like have together. And then, um, and then what happens, you know, and then like, well, and then do I age out of being able to have a child? And, and so then it got nervous, nerve wracking. Then I met Nick and luckily, like, it was like, okay, I have a partner, but then I started my fitness business. And then as you know, you're like, oh God, like, how do I now, like, I have this business and it's doing well and I'm successful and now I'm going to take myself out of the game by getting pregnant. And what if I don't have a pregnancy where I can move? What if I'm bedridden? What if I, you know, you, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs? I was 37 when I got pregnant. So, you know, again, I don't think that's old, but it was a geriatric pregnancy, as they say, when you go to the gynecologist. So, um, so that was a hard decision, but, but, you know, then you kind of just, I knew I always wanted to be a mom. So it was just like, you, you just do it, you know, but. And how, how was like your, your pregnancy? Like, did you find like, were you like super, because you, your, your business was like booming. So, um, Amanda, if, if, if you don't know, well, I, I find that hard to believe, but Amanda has a wonderful business of, of um, the rope she has by Amanda Klutz. Um, and she literally has, I, and I, I said this in the intro and I'll, I'll say it to you. I said, you skipped into the hearts of America and you truly have with this business. And it has been wonderful, wonderful to watch you do it. How on earth did you juggle being pregnant and navigating that business to start? Uh, well, I looked at it as an opportunity to start a prenatal section of my business and start like prenatal classes, which was actually super fun. Um, and so that was exciting to me. Um, you know, I just, I, I like creating. So it was fun to like learn that and create it properly with like after learning. Cause I had trained pregnant women before, but I had never really properly taken the classes. It was more so, um, things that I had learned from where I was, where I was training before. So I like studied properly, got my certification and then like created my kind of prenatal fitness, um, plan. And, um, so that was fun. And at the same time though, actually, like I, I also didn't really have a choice. Like my business, you know, it was so funny. It's like you either set, somebody gave me this advice very early on with a fitness company. They were like, you either do one or two things. You set it up where like you are the name and you teach the classes or you set up a studio and you hire people. <laughs> yeah, she's raising her hand. And but then you take, the, so you take the load off of you. And I was like, that's smart. Yes. And then I did the exact <laughs> So I didn't have like, I didn't have help. So like, I didn't really have 
the option of like, oh, I'm not going to teach today. It was literally like, I'm not feeling good in my first trimester and I have to go teach two classes tonight. And I don't know how I'm going to do that and get off the couch, you know? Um, so in a way that leaves you with no option other than just like get off the couch and you have to go do it. It's like, you know, but didn't you feel amazing though, after working out yes. it clients, I, I find my clients never understand. They're like, Oh no, but like, I, uh, it, it just, what do you mean? I'm going to lift a heavy weight. What, what do you mean? I'm going to like do this. Like, what about the baby? Uh, you're empowering the baby right now. Like when you get your heart rate up and like get into that cardio zone, you are strengthening your baby's heart. Like there's so many wonderful benefits to working out. Also the mental side of it. Didn't it help you? Oh, hundred percent. Like literally, I remember like, again, those days where like, I'm walking to the studio and I'm literally like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like in your head, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Then that music, like, like comes on and you are, are just like overwhelmed with like that, that adrenaline. And then you leave the studio. And I was like, I'm in such a better mood. I'm not as tired. I don't feel sick anymore. And I actually want to eat something healthy instead of just bread and cheese again. Um, so, (laughs) and then I would go home and eat bread and cheese, but, um, yeah, anyways, yeah, it was, yeah. Thank God. Thank God I could exercise. Cause I know a lot of women can't, or, you know, have to be careful. So I, I always felt very grateful that I, I was teaching up until 36 weeks. Mm-hmm. You know? And then how was your, um, w- when you gave birth, um, w- was it exactly your, um, plan that you uh, like, did you go in with the game plan or were you just kind of like tossing confetti up and just seeing like where it all played out for you? Yeah, I did. I did that. I just did the old, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm not going to try to plan for it. Um, I think my ideal, like if I could have said ideal, it would have just been the traditional, like, oh, I'm feeling pains. And then you go to the hospital and you get the epidural and then you slowly dilate and then you push, push, push. And then the baby's there. That's what happened to my sister. So I was like, I bet like that's going to be me. And then I had the exact opposite. But um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't plan on anything. I just was kind of like, I'm just going to let, you know, let go, let God and and whatever happens, happens. And and Nick was by your side throughout the the whole. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was. I mean, it was 56 hours of labor that ended in a C-section. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a long couple days, but. And then you had a beautiful little boy named Elvis. Yeah. Mr. Elvis Cordero. Yeah. What a sweetheart. What a sweetheart. He came out dancing. Yes. (laughs) He came out just, you know, what I will always remember is, um, you know, cause he was, he was a C-section. So I got to hold him for like, well, he was like placed on my chest for like two seconds. And then, um, he had to be taken to the NICU because he had fluid in his lungs. And so he had to spend like for his first two days of life in the NICU. And so the, by the time I finally got rolled into the NICU and, you know, you see your little baby in this little incubator with a ventilator on and, you know, all these tubes and you're freaking out, even though they're telling you it's okay. And that it's very common. Um, and he'll be all right. Um, And the first time that I actually got to hold him, like our eyes locked 
And I'll never forget it. I was like, oh my God, this is an old soul. Like I was like, he, there's something very special about these eyes. Like, I don't know. I mean, not like he's been there before, but he's just like, I could tell he was an old soul. So that's kind of what I like remember, you know? Mm. And then it wasn't too long after that, that you made, that you guys just made, made the decision to move. Yeah. Three months. Nick gave me three months in New York. I, we, we negotiated on that because, <laughs> you know, my parents lived across the hall from us and, um, my, and I was, and I had a C-section, but I went back to teaching as soon as I could. And my sister was two blocks away and my other sister was just down in Chelsea. So it was like, you know, I was thinking like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, why are we moving across the country? And his mom was in Toronto. So like, that's a quick two hour flight, hour and a half flight. And, um, but he was insistent upon it. So we negotiated to September and then, and then we moved. How was that navigating with Elvis in his early, early stages? Horrible. I mean, I don't know how we did it. We moved in with our friend he was uh, in his guest house. He was still living in his guest house because his main house was being renovated. So in this small guest house that was just supposed to be Nick, Elvis, and I, and our two dogs ended up being Nick, Elvis, and I, our two dogs who we put in diapers because they were very badly trained. And our friend was like, that rug is $10,000. And if they pee on it, you owe me $10,000. And we were like diapers for the two dogs. And Elvis, of course, is three months old. He's in diapers. And then our friend was still living there with his dog. And then his girlfriend showed up. So in a small, very small guest house, Elvis is three months old. Nick and I are sharing a bunk bed. Elvis's crib play, play, um, you know, uh, not, not even, uh, not a uh, playpen, uh, pack and play, um, that's lifted up is next to us. And our two dogs are sleeping on our feet on the bunk bed. And I was like, why we, why did we move out of our two bedroom, two bath on 65th and Columbus? So my busy mumsies, as you know, from listening to the show, I wanted to make this podcast to support my other mama bears out there. Those of us who are juggling family life, work life, health, and everything else that we attempt to cram into our day. One of the biggest words that kept coming up for me when I thought of creating this podcast was empowerment, which led me to reaching out to one brand in particular who could support my listeners, a brand which is the epitome of empowerment, in my opinion, Fabletics. I always feel amazing when I'm wearing their gorgeous items, and I want you to have that same experience too. Look, like a lot of moms, I'm a leggings gal. I live and breathe in them. Even when I was expecting Adia, I just rocked out their pregnancy range. So thank you, Fabletics, for making me feel fab when I wasn't feeling my most fabulous. They offer loud, fun, vibrant colors, which matches my personality, loud and coffee-infused. They also offer streamlined staples that work well from workout to brunch. 
So here's what to do. Click the link in the show notes now and you, my busy mumsies, can grab two beautiful pairs of stunning leggings for just 24 pounds. Trust me when you see yourself in these leggings, your legs, your tushy are going to be like boom shakalaka. You're going to feel fab. Click the link in the show notes right now to get this exclusive offer. I love that Fabletics have come on board as our sponsor for this episode. So check out the link as supporting them also helps to support this show too. First thing, why didn't you put cameras in this bungalow so that you had a great old reality TV show that we could sell to Bravo? But number two, how are you handling postpartum? Because in the mix of all of that, and as fun as that story is, (laughs) the, the side of having a child, beautiful, wonderful, then what was going on with you and your mindset of juggling your internal emotions and hormones? Oh, I was, I was, I went into depression. I did get postpartum depression. I didn't realize it until there was a day that I was holding Elvis on the couch and Nick left to go, I think do like a music rehearsal. And as soon as he left, I like had sort of a panic attack and I called him and I was like, I think you need to come back home. Like, I don't, I'm really sad. I'm like crying. I, 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 um, I need you to come back home. And he came back home and he was like, what is going on? And I was like, I, I don't know, but I, I think this is, I think it's postpartum depression. Cause I was like hyperventilating and I, I couldn't, I didn't know what, like, I couldn't be alone. I did not want to be alone. And I just felt very sad and, you know, you lose your identity for a bit. And I was teaching fitness here, but nobody cared that I was here. Nobody was showing up. I'm, I maybe had one person I was like, so that felt like I was a failure after coming here and having wonderful success teaching here before I finally got get here to move and nobody cares. So my fitness business was falling apart. I was mad that we had moved. We were all living in one room with our friend next door and our dogs were being terrible. Like everything was bad. And I was went into, of course, like depression. Did you find that Nick was able to understand? Because I I feel like it's when you talk, okay, for me talking to Ricky about postpartum and how I felt, I mean, I could explain it, but I, I don't, I still to this day don't think that he wraps his brain around it fully. Not that he's not supportive, but do you yeah. think at the time that, that Nick fully understood? No, no, not at all. No. And I don't blame him for it. I don't know how you can. I don't think that's something that a man could ever really understand because, you know, like we carry this baby and then the baby like survives because we allow it to survive. Like I breastfed Elvis. So like everything, like I was his everything, like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't, think a man like uh, Nick could go do a music rehearsal and you know, I would watch him leave and I'd be like, gosh, that that must be nice. I I can't do that. Like, and you're not, you're not trying to get, you know, argumentative, but it's just hard. And, and Nick's like, what do you want? Do you want me just like sit here by you then all day? Cause like I need to, and you're like, no, I don't, but in a way, yes, I do (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I like, you want somebody to understand your pain, but then you're like, obviously, no, don't sit here with me all day. But like, I, I have a child who won't get off my boob all day. And like, 
I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't do anything because, you know, you lost you. you. Yeah. You lose everything about yourself. And, and a man can't understand that because they don't ever have to face that the way we do. I, it, I, I, in my opinion, I just don't see how a man, I don't see how a man does that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do want to, you know, we, we just talked about Nick and I, I, I do want to, to say that, um, ah, like the, the love and, and admiration of that man and, um, and what you put yourself through to support not only little Elvis, but to support Nick through 2020 was, um, unreal. And to, to see where you are now, I, I, I literally keep on going back to that apartment that Rick Nick was subletting from me. Uh, that's right, Ashley. Oh my God. And I would I would come up there to 190th and um and oh gosh, was that 190th in Broadway at the time? Yes. And uh, you you guys were in bullets and I was I I think uh, I think doing Pippin. I don't even know. It was either Pippin or starting Gigi, I don't know, but I would, I was like on vacation, if you will, like living out of a suitcase, coming up every weekend to get clothes out of that closet. Nick was there. You would be like, hi. And I just like, I go back to that every time. And I'm just like this, your 2020, it, it, I, you know, no one has this story and, and how you handled it. I, 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 I do not know. And what I know of Amanda Klutz is someone who is, super talented, gorgeous, mm-hmm. and super successful, but always had a smile on her face. And I think that that can, people might think, oh, she's, she's still smiling, but no, it's, it's like your armor. It's your bravery. It's like what has been instilled in you from day one, you navigated 2020 in a way that I, I don't, I, I can't even imagine anyone else ever doing. How did you do? How, tell us, tell Please just, I don't even know know where else to to go with it because I, you know, knowing you, knowing Nick, knowing from the East coast to the West coast, I, please. (laughs) Well, that's very sweet of you. Thank you. I think, um, well, I think a couple of things like, so I actually just got COVID for the first time and today was my first day out of quarantine. And my symptoms were so minimal and I had like, you know, three bad days of what I thought was allergies. And then I had one day of like a foggy, very tired body. But on the foggy, tired body day um, was the first time that I like, because I hadn't, I haven't had COVID. So it was like the first time that I sat back and it like hit me. And I thought about Nick and I thought about like that. He spent a week at home just sleeping and telling me how tired he was and how, how he couldn't focus. And like, and I just thought, cause none of that were symptoms of COVID. I thought it was just like that he was in a little bit of a depression because the world had stopped. His job had stopped and you know, everything that he had been working on really hard was stopped. And, um, and for the first time this week, I was like, Oh my God, my poor man, like I have the vaccine and I'm boosted and I still feel like, like, and just like, I want to lay down. And then I thought, Oh my God, this poor guy had no medical help that first week. And 
he had like the first version of this. Like he must have just no one knew what it was. No, yeah, and he and he laid in in that cabin where we were for a whole week and just like was felt so crappy and. And I kept being like, oh, like he's, you know, he's lazy and whatever. Cause like we didn't know. And, um, and I felt so bad for him, but it made me, um, it made me just very grateful about like how far we've come in two years and how like, thank God we have these, you know, ways to help ourselves through this, a vaccine and booster, if you can get them, like the fact that like my symptoms were this minimal, like you know, it made me hurt in my heart for Nick, but it also made me appreciate how far the world has come to answer your question. Why I told that story is because, um, I think two years ago, the reason why I think I could do what I did was because we were all in this fight together. It was a very, it was the worst of times, but it was a very special time. And there, I don't think that we'll ever live through our lifetime another time like that where the world, the world stopped and we were all just trying to care for each other. And we were all just trying to understand what was unknown and, um, really go out of our way to listen and do things for people. And I think that's why I, was able to do what I was able to do. I, I really do because it was like, we were all, it, it wasn't, it was everybody, you know what I mean? It was everybody cared about Nick. Everybody was supporting. Everybody was listening. Everybody was singing every day. It was like, it was this special, unique time. I mean, if I tried to do that now, nobody, I don't, it would not do the same. It wouldn't do, I swear to God, like I couldn't get everybody to stop their lives and sing at 3 p.m. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's like, no, I got to work. I'm going to things. I'm going to do like, you know what I mean? But nobody had anything to do. In fact, like a lot of people, I remember telling me that they were like, it was our thing that we did. Absolutely. <laughs> like no three o'clock. We have something to do. Exactly. <laughs> How did you during a fight for Nick's life, 2020, where we are, I'm thinking about, you know, your, I, I'm thinking about for you, like, how are you staying positive and happy? How are you bubble wrapping your child and keeping Elvis happy and positive and focused? Oh, well, okay. I had a lot of help. I had my, my brother and my sister eventually. Um, that was huge because, um, you know, it just was, um, I, tried very hard to never let him see me cry. I, I would go in another room. I would, um, I would literally be crying all the way home from the hospital and then wipe my tears, walk into that door and, and, you know, just smother him with love and kisses. And, you know, luckily there's a magical thing about children that they will make you happy, that they are the cutest little buttons in the entire world. And so it's impossible not to be, happy and, and smiling when you see them, especially, you know, after a dark and dismal day or dark and dismal news. So, um, he saved me, you know, Elvis saved me. There was never a time that I didn't walk into a room and see him and not want to smile or not want to play and, um, and be by his side. So, uh, you know, that he saved me, Uh, he made me smile. He made me positive. 
it does make you go back to the eyes the, on on day two of looking at him, yeah, and, and knowing that those eyes were the eyes that were going to, you know, be strong for you, yes, and get you through it, yeah. And so now on the other side of it, how are you? I mean, he's just he's just your your little cheerleader now and just cheering you on. And how are you juggling now with a, a bestseller book, Live Your Life? Um, you crushed it on Dancing with the Stars. Oh my God. They don't air it over in London. So I was, we would, we would do the recap on YouTube. (laughs) Like, so like I'm, I'm doing my recap today. Ricky, have you watched yet? Um, So, and and one of my favorites was the, the the Halloween dance. I'm, that was honestly, I, I love that you went for that. It's not scream, but it's, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, it was that was my hardest dance, Ashley. That, that footwork in that dance, I was like, I footwork was bananas, but it was fierce. Thank you. Fierce. Thank so you. you you definitely kickball changed your way through Dancing with the Stars, and now on the talk, how are you juggling this with that little man who? I mean, I love that he loves the trucks, and you know, uh, he just he, he's he's such a vision to watch on on the good old Instagram. And how are you navigating this? Thank you. Um, a couple of things. First and foremost, I have a lot of help. I have a Manny and a nanny. They switch off on days. I have really great friends who rescue me and save me and treat Elvis like their own son. Um, I don't know how I would do it without all the help because I literally, I do have a lot of jobs and the only other thing I do is I'm very good about my time management. Like I, I wake up in the morning before I take Elvis to preschool. That's like mommy and Elvis time. Then I go to the talk. And then after the talk, I do everything else that I have to do. And then I get home here around five. And then I have mommy and Elvis time again, you know, dinner, bath, bedtime. And then once I put him down by eight, then I go back and do whatever else work I have to do. So I just am, unfortunately, my day is like literally like slotted of like, this and then this and then this and then this. And, and I just, you know, I don't know. I file it. Like, it's like, okay, talk is check. It's done. And then now next is this and then check and done. <laughs> just, you know, how are and you I, taking care of you? Uh, well, that, that comes, you know, that comes last. I, I mean, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? I, I think moms don't, don't take care of, and it's yeah. not being selfish. no. It feels like it though sometimes, you know, I mean, and I know it's not, but like, for instance, I, even though I have a fitness business lately, I love going to a fitness class where I don't have to teach, where I just get to do something. And a lot of times it's stuff that like, I don't even want to do, but for some reason it feels good. Like I hate kind of, um, I'm not, not hate, but I'm not like a heavy lifter kind of CrossFit mm-hmm. worker person, workout person. But lately I've been going to this, like, I love going to this place where it's kind of like that, but it's on like Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings. And it's, I feel guilty because that's like my times with Elvis the weekend. And then I also have to find extra help because I don't have like, and you know, this is where you're like, gosh, this is where I wish I had a person at home where I could just be like, I'm going to go take a class. I'll, you know, I'll be back in an hour and a half. Um, mm-hmm. I have to find help again. So then like I have to try to find you know somebody to help me. 
and then then go spend that time in that class. But you're right. It's like that is something that does like make me happy and make me feel good and make me like, you know, it is me time and and taking care of myself time. But you end up feeling bad about it. And so then you're just like, actually, never mind. It's fine. I'll just while he naps, I'll just do like a workout on my own in the house. And but that never just feels as fulfilling because you cheat, you know, when you're just teaching yourself, you're like, oh, two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean mountain climbers? I'm not getting into that yeah, right now. That's a four is fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I it it's important for all moms to have that selfish me time. And um, you know, I think that, you know, moms listening need to know that it needs to be scheduled in because you're not, you know. I don't think selfish is a bad thing when, when you're a mom and you're navigating so much and you're juggling so much. I think that it's, you need to look at being selfish, that, that selfish time for you, that it's your clarity, it's your time, it's your moment and you need to take it and it needs to be scheduled in and it needs to be important, whether it, you know, if, whether you're a single mom, you're an unsingle, single mom, you know, you have all the help in the world, you still need it. Yeah. Yeah. What do, um, with, with Elvis, are, are, I mean, are you able to just take him with you to like, you know, some of these classes and, and whatnot? I mean, is he finding like, is he wanting to get involved in like some of the fitnessy stuff? Is he jump roping yet, Amanda? Is <laughs> jump roping? Not yet. He, he's not at that point yet. He, um, is very much still clinging to me. Like he loved to mama hold you mama cuddle um so yes no if i tried to take him to anything like that it would not do well or even if i was like took him to a studio and was like i'm gonna do my own workout in this studio you sit in the corner and i'll put like uh, something on the you know ipad he still wouldn't even do that he would he wants to be by my side yeah yeah i mean if Adia would walk into this room right now and see the computer flipped up she'd come over and close it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sees the phone, she she swats at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, yeah, I I completely can understand with you, with you on that. Where where you are in in motherhood now? What would be now that you're on the other side of it of having this glorious little boy? What is your number one mommy advice to expecting moms out there? Ooh, um, oh, that's a good one. I mean, because I know you're super close with your mama, yeah. and and I feel like you, your mom had a, probably so much words of wisdom also while you were pregnant. Now where you are, like, what mommy advice? Uh, um, well, I think what it's so funny. My mom would be like, "I don't remember anything." That's what she would say, um, and then laugh. <laughs> But I think that what my mom did and that what I try to do with Elvis, but my mom would never say she did this is just love your kid unconditionally, like love all the time. You know, I, I think a blessing that I found in being a single mom, I think, um, obviously I can only speak to being a single mom, but I think what I've found is that because it's just Elvis and I, I, we have a very special bond. I have never raised my voice at him. 
I've never had to. I've never gotten mad at him. I've never been upset by anything that he does. Even when it's a, you know, even when he purposely throws food all over the floor and it gets on the walls. Like I just, I always choose love. And I think that that would be my, my advice just to like, if you love, I think if you show love constantly, you're raising your child to be confident and to, understand and to, I think love equals happiness. I think it makes you smile. So I think if you just know, if the kid always knows that they're loved, I think that like a lot comes through just by that one word. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you for those wise words. And I actually will take that in as well because I can get frustrated and, um, you know, maybe it has to do with the navigating of travel and, and all of those things. But, um, I think that it's a, a great way to lead with always with love, compassion and, and bubble wrap, bubble wrap your child. I can't thank you enough, my love. I can't thank you enough for, for joining me on the Busy Mumsy podcast um, from L.A. I'm in you. Bananas is this. Bananas. Just, just bananas. But here we are. And um, always know that, um, you know, the Verma family, we are always rooting you on from afar. Thank and um, whatever time zone you're in, we, we will YouTube it. We will Instagram it. And we will watch it and applaud it. So um, thank you so much for your time. And um, I'm so happy to hear you're out of quarantine. I know. Today, yes. Back to work tomorrow. Thank goodness. Back to the talk. All right. Well, thank you so much, babe. And we will chat soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Busy Mumsy Podcast. If you have enjoyed this week's show, then please, please give it some extra love wherever you download your podcast and give it a five-star rating, a high five, a kickball change, a yes, yes, go Busy Mumsies. And don't forget, you can find out more information about this week's guest, what we discussed, and everything else related to the world of Busy Mumsy by clicking the link in the show notes down below. Before we sign off, I've got to say one final massive thank you to the sponsor of this episode, Fabletics. I genuinely love this brand. If you follow me on social media, you have most likely seen me in their items in almost every photo and definitely every Define London video. I live in their leggings. I freaking love the collaborations they have with celebrities like Vanessa Hudgens, Maddie Ziegler, Anika Hart. Wait, hold on. Anika Hart, she's got gorgeous kids and I'm sure a few busy mumsy tales to say. So we got to get her on the Busy Mumsy podcast. Well, anyways, click the link in the show notes right now as my Busy Mumsies get an exclusive offer. Two beautiful pair of stunning leggings for just 24 pounds. So go on with your bad self. Click that link in the show notes right now before you head off into your Busy Mumsy day. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.